Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Limitless Athlete Podcast. I'm Tom Foxley, one of your hosts today, and you're listening to The Debrief, which is a partner episode of the Limitless Athlete Podcast. Today, we're going to be discussing my previous conversation with Khan Porter, CrossFit athlete, coach, um, incredible guy all around, and I would say mental health advocate. Khan's been incredibly open in his discussion of mental health and in this show we are going to dissect how he has been open, how you can use the lessons that he teaches and how you can kind of integrate this into your own mental health system, your own mental health training system. So I'm not going to go into a huge amount of detail but soon I'm going to be speaking to our head coach, Rachel, and we'll discuss the key points and facts from this show. Enjoy. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm willing to work as hard as I can. There is no past, there's no future, there's just this moment right here. If I did that, if I can get through that, like, come at me. Changing how I saw myself, like as a man, not just as, as an athlete. It's okay that I struggle. It's okay. That's part of the deal. It's how I respond to it. In today's show, we're going to be talking about Khan Porter and Khan Porter's episode with on the Limitless Athlete podcast. So much good stuff. So much I'm going to use a word that we're going to talk about a lot in here, vulnerability and honesty and openness, um, which was kind of contentious uh, to a point within the show. And Rachel, let's actually start there. Let's start with the vulnerability piece. Why did this stand out to you? You know, it stood out to me because of the way that everybody has the word vulnerability show up for them. When we hear the word vulnerability, everybody kind of clamps up a little bit. So if we think about being vulnerable, what we're doing, whether it's as Khan was talking about sharing our struggles, sharing the things about ourselves that make us really nervous to share, or whether it's in a workout where we are being vulnerable by giving our best effort, those are both risks that we take. Risk-taking in these specific settings they expose us to the potential for shame. And when we choose to be vulnerable, we're often afraid of appearing weak. In fact, vulnerability is how we build courage. You actually cannot have courage without being vulnerable. True courage comes from vulnerability. So that stood out to me because Khan's uh, struggle with the word vulnerability is the way that we all struggle with vulnerability. It's, it's quite a kind of, I see it as, as a blokey kind of like, oh, I can't be vulnerable. Like I've got to be this hyper masculine. And we live in kind of a, a masculinized world, especially in the Western world, um, where any portrayal of weakness is looked down upon. And relating those two things together and I suppose showing individuality and yes. emotion is linked within that Ooh. the I think yeah. so yeah I think I think it is linked within that um just from a a broad cultural point of view yes it seems like any display of emotion is 
looked down upon or seen as um, non-stoic, maybe non, um, not very strong. Well, we're, we're conditioned in our culture to value uh, rationality over everything else, right? At the expense of emotion, which is a true part of every person's experience. You said, um, I don't remember exactly how you put it just now, but it was about like individuality, not, not expressing individuality. And that is actually a really key part of building courage and being vulnerable. It's being authentic Mm. rather than putting the mask on in order to fit in with everyone else. And again, we do this in workouts too. It creates fear for us to show up in the gym and work on weaknesses in front of other people where we're going to have moments of failure, moments of uh, incompetence. That risk is what puts us in the position of being more courageous athletes. Yeah, that incompetence piece is huge in this like how can you possibly dream of growing if you don't encounter what is what you're incompetent at and it's that decision to do so which which requires a degree of vulnerability um to stand out in front of people and to be looked at um so whilst khan's opinion was i don't i think it was something like and I'm going to be paraphrasing here, but I think it was something like vulnerability. It, it wasn't a vulnerable thing to do because it didn't, because it shouldn't be essentially, yeah. it shouldn't be yeah. to talk about right. what, what you're, and I kind of, I, I agree to it to a degree. Yeah, we like, reject there's, there's, the idea that emotions are wrong to express. Mm, yeah. Struggles are wrong to express. We yeah. do agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, it's important to address reality as closely as we possibly can. Yes. And there is at the moment a stigma or a, a social cost that comes as a result of expressing authenticity, despite living in a very individual society at the moment. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's a risk to stand out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. So when it comes down to training mm-hmm. and and performing and developing your own mindset, where do we need to embrace more vulnerability? Mm. As, as I mentioned in addressing our weaknesses with courage. So rather than shying away from them and always turning towards what we're comfortable with, turning towards discomfort and embracing hardship and embracing the mental hardship that comes from that too. It's not just about doing things that you hate. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. like, if you hate running, like making yourself run a 5k twice a week is not the same thing as actually attacking your weaknesses. Like there's, there's a lot more nuance to it than that. There's this beautiful idea that I think applies so well to the, to what you just brought up there, which is that courage is the only character skill that you can fake. And it's just as valid as whether you're feeling it truly because courage is only courageous acts are only courageous if you don't want to do them or if there's a part of you that does not want to do them. Otherwise it's just whatever your default setting is. Absolutely. Yeah. If we can turn towards that fear of being shamed and look for where our opportunities are to confront that, that is generally going to lead us to 
courage. Precisely. Precisely. There's one of our athletes a long, long time ago who worked through our inner athlete performance camps. Remember those. And, um, and Kat, do you remember Kat? Who oh, yeah. Yeah. Eight, and she, yeah. yeah, she said, vulnerability is my superpower. And yeah. it was like, yes, like that was someone who truly got it because she recognized that it wasn't just something to encounter along the way it was the thing that the more she accepted more of and the more she embraced the better the result she got absolutely you can choose it exactly so she chose she chose to go towards vulnerability and as such her mentality improved her her state improved and the results she got improved as well yeah yeah incredible let's go on to the second point that I think you wanted to discuss today, which is the pillars of mental health. Yeah. What was interesting about that for you as, as head coach of Mindset RX, what, what made your, uh, yeah, what, what was interesting what pricked, for you in that? Yeah. Pricked my little ears. Exactly. Uh, yeah. You know, so Khan is describing um, pillars of mental health and it's a hierarchy that I found really interesting and was sort of mentally exploring after I was listening to the episode. So he starts with self-awareness, which I definitely believe is true. And that's why our methodology begins with the testing phase. It really is about building awareness of the stories that limit you and your potential. So self-awareness as like the base of the pyramid, that's the first step. And I like too that he has this as pillars because it's not like you have self-awareness and then you don't have to think about it anymore. You keep having to build more self-awareness as you travel this road. Then he had self-acceptance. And this is what he described as the vulnerability piece. Um, self-acceptance is when you give yourself permission to share your vulnerabilities, share the things that are risky to share. And I, th- I think that's kind of cool. I really, I really like that idea because it is essentially saying, this is who I am. This is my authentic self and it's worth sharing. Then from there is self-love. And for him, self-love, he describes as being aware of your values, goals, and desires, and also pursuing them. So you have to do both things. And I like how that's action oriented. It's not enough to just achieve (laughs) self-actualization or nirvana and you have self-love and now you're just this, you know, being of light running through the world. You're acting on your highest desires and goals. I really like the acceptance piece in there because there seems to be this idea that you'll note what's up and you'll go, okay, that's, that's my vulnerability piece done. Like, uh, oh, sorry. That's, that's my, um, that's my awareness piece done. I'm now aware of what's going wrong and then things are just going to change. But the acceptance of, okay, I'm going to put that out into the world and not even in a way of like, okay, yeah, maybe you're talking about it. Maybe you're talking about this is what I'm struggling with, but more to the point, you are going out of your way to do something about it and you are kind of addressing it and you're willing to confront it. That's really important for everyone to do as well. So there's that, there's that middle ground with the acceptance piece in there. Yeah. Um, You know, that's so interesting. Brene Brown's book, Braving the Wilderness, is about what she describes in her research as true belonging. True belonging is not having a sense of belonging from other people. It's a sense of belonging to ourselves. So that self-acceptance piece, having true belonging to ourselves, that is 
that is tied to being able to live authentically in the world, to stand your ground when you have something to say to like, again, part of the self-love piece to act on your values, even when it's a risk to you. Beautiful. Sweet. When we're thinking about application of pillars, how do you think we, we go about actually, I'm going to, I'm going to trample over my own question and give you time to think at the same time. I like the idea of pillars as well, because you can imagine that as legs of a table, for example, you might have three or two, like really strong, sturdy legs, but if the third leg is weak or isn't as developed as the others, you're going to have a pretty disappointing dinner. It's going to be all over the place. Um, yeah, exactly. So that idea of propping it up and kind of and building up so maybe maybe the physical element of your mental health is fantastic at the moment and you're doing a lot to address that but there's other elements of the philosophical or the spiritual or whatever that you need to work more around and that can balance things out and rather than nudging your um nudging your physical development from the 98th to 99th percentile, maybe it's time to take that psychological or philosophical view up from 20th percentile to 30th percentile. And you're going to get much more benefit from doing that alone. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. What was my question? I was trampling all over when I was, I was asking, Oh, how do we get to around to applying this? So as, as I said, self-awareness is done through the testing phase of our methodology. So testing is the act of typically a journaling practice that allows us to build the practice of thinking about our thinking, um, which we're, I think you and I are going to end up discussing towards the end of the show, which is perfect. And then when it comes to self-acceptance and that, um, that awareness of values, goals, and desires that he describes as self-love and acting on it, that's the aiming up and proof phases. So when we are aware and have clarity around the direction that we want our life to go in, that's important. And again, authentic to us, then we have to have the skills and the confidence to create a plan for making those goals happen. Growth is largely intentional. So if we go about our lives unintentionally without a high level of consciousness, we're going to find that we're kind of moving in a direction that's not very important to us. We feel very disconnected from what we're working really hard towards. But if we have that clarity, if we have a really clear three-year vision, we have a really clear idea of the steps that we need to take day-to-day, week-to-week to get to that three-year vision, that's what the aiming up phase is. And then proof is really just executing the plan and creating the proof for ourselves that builds the confidence that we need to have that self-acceptance and what he describes as self-love. Yeah. And then reminding yourself of that as well. Like, oh, this is what I did. And kind of, it takes so much effort to myelinate those paths to, to replay those kind of those neural pathways of, oh, I did this and it felt good and it's taken me towards my goal. And and then remind myself, okay, when you're going to bed at night, like, okay, I did this today and that felt good and it's taken me towards my goals. And that's what, oh, I can't remember the guy that said the quote. Um, but anyway, it's, um, repetition and emotion are what creates change and yeah. being able to to repeat that and to add some emotion just thickens that that neural connection and yes. just gives you that um what fires together wires together right that's the other yeah. way of saying it so the more you you promote that the better the more you remind yourself of it the better um there was a phrase in there mm. growth is largely intentional yeah. love that 
Yeah. Tell me more about that. What does that mean? Well, um, misfortune befalls all of us, doesn't it? (laughs) But it's a choice to grow from it rather than reinforce the negative stories that we've been telling ourselves all of our lives. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I do. Uh, I mean, it happens in workouts. Mm -hmm. Misfortune befalls us. And if we're, (laughs) and if we're, um, if we're unprepared for moments to accept challenge rather than feel as though we're being threatened by whatever, again, misfortune is befalling us, then, uh, yeah, we'll lose the opportunity to grow from it. Yeah. And it seems obvious to say, but it's worth pointing out that it happens when you'll think about meal prepping and life gets in the way or work overruns. And it happens in competition when you forget something or you miss your transport. And it happens in every element of life too. Um, So whether whether you choose to whether you choose to just accept that as something that's happened to you and accepting it as part of your victimhood or accept it as a reason to grow, that is your choice. Yeah, 100%. Entirely your choice. We spoke about the idea there of truth and and kind of it's been a central theme of this uh, as, as, as a part of addressing the truth and finding the truth and dealing with the truth yes. um, actively. Khan spoke about this self-worth piece and yeah. placing his or finding his value in the world and the contradictory nature of what he saw when he went out into the world and what he felt as a result of that and what he was told as he was growing up. So he went out and I think the specific example was he went out to school and he dressed a certain way and he was ridiculed. And then he came home and he was told, well, what you're doing is just fine. And it's, it's great. I'm not saying either of those are right or wrong, but there was a mismatch between what he was learning from the world and what he received as this is what is explicitly true. This, when we talk about, when we talk about beliefs being created by um, environmental or experiential or um, educational or um, evolutionary demands, like you have that, that educational piece of you've been Khan in that state was explicitly told what you're doing is fine and good. And then there was the mismatch of the belief, which is um, came from the environmental point of view, which was kind of picked up on the, he was picked on at school and it wasn't great. So there were two beliefs there pushed in, but what is the truth? And I think when Khan has either managed to find the truth or finds the truth, that's where the growth lies in that. So I didn't have a question there, but I just wanted to waffle. (laughs) You you wanted to explore it. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, if you're enjoying this episode, chances are you'll enjoy our free ebook, How to Stop Substandard Self-Critical Plateaus and Unleash Your Potential. It's a step-by-step guide to finding your mojo again and getting back to the athlete you know you can be. It's free. You just have to stick your email address in and download it. To find it, head to mindsetrx.com slash ebook. That's mindsetrxd.com slash ebook. Now let's get on with the show.
Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I'm sure I grew up during this movement to the, what's called the self-esteem movement. So it's when children were kind of praised for everything, given a participation trophy, it was a, an extreme reaction to the way that I was actually parented, which was very disciplined, um, be good all the time, be perfect or else. So, you know, parents always have the best of intentions. It's just misguided. And we didn't know what the result would be. And what the result ends up being is this, um, this idea that you can do no wrong. But then again, as Khan grew up and he was, he was different, he was his authentic self. That's the gift that his parents gave to him. He was able to be his authentic self when he was at home, but when he left home and he was that person, it was unacceptable to, you know, the place that he was growing up and the kids he was enduring. Um, and that led to bullying. So it means that you learn not to trust your authenticity. I think a lot of us experience that to some degree or another. I'm going to risk a difficult subject here. Yeah, let's go. What is the, where does the value of social norms find its limit? And when does, because when does individuality become a problem? Because as we're social beings, right? We are, um, we're designed, we're evolved to work in a tribe and to look around and do what's good for the tribe because the tribe as a whole is stronger than the sum of its parts. But there's a, an amount of individual expression that we need and is essential and is wrong to deny. So where does that find its limits? Where do we go? Okay. You need, either you need to start towing the line more and doing what's right for everyone and stop standing out, or you need to express yourself more and you need to go with whatever you trust and is, is right for you. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is such a tough question. And I don't think that we have the hours to like really dig into it the way that we need to. I would, I would say that the crowd will always value homogeny over individuality, because it's like we were talking about with vulnerability and risk in general, it is very threatening to experience other people's individuality. So when we're, when we're different, when we're willing to stand out and take that risk, especially as children, children don't, children don't know any better. They're basing their opinions and values off of what their parents are teaching them at home and what they're getting from school teachers. And I think that Khan brought this up too. His school teachers were a part of the problem. So it is important to seek to, to pay attention to the feedback that we're getting. However, we do need to have a very keen filter for what information we're receiving is coming from a place of uh, general acceptance and compassion rather than a place of fear of things that are different. Yeah, that's beautiful. And what makes that even harder is that we have an insider preference and inside a bias where we want to, from an evolutionary point of view, be around people that reinforce our own beliefs and reinforce even what we look like and what we think about. Um, There is that preference evolutionarily, which is uh, obviously a ridiculous thing, but understandable from an evolutionary point of view. Yes. Because you want to disregard the outsider um, and that represents threat. How how do we apply this to us as an athlete? I suppose where I go where I go with this is your 
decision to to stand to do what is right for you is always going to be one that threatens other people. I can think about one athlete that we had in the mindset training camp, um, three evolutions ago, two evolutions ago, she had very high aspirations for herself. She was like, I'm going to go to this competition. I'm going to compete at this level. I'm going to get to semifinals this year. I'm going to do this, do this, do this. And she was explicitly told by her supposed friends well there's no point doing that like you don't want to do that you don't want to um you're not good enough to do that um you don't have the time you've got a job you can't do this and i i'd only before encountered people who had guessed that or assumed it from others to meet someone who's been explicitly told that and it just makes you think oh wow like that is a horrendous thing to do to someone to shit all over someone's dreams is, is an awful thing to do yeah but it did point out to the fact that, oh, those people were just scared. Everyone saying that was just fearful of like, oh, if she goes and achieves this, what does that mean for me? Does that mean that my self-imposed limitations are simply bullshit? The answer is yes. And the, or does it mean that I'm doing the wrong thing for myself? Maybe. Like it was just all those things were a representation of her fear. Um, Sorry, of the outsider's fear. Yeah, their fears. And her decision to go forwards and to, train at a high level, even commit to mindset training, commit to getting individual programming, commit to training twice a day. I think she starts doing like taking her nutrition more seriously, not going out as much. All those were risky and to link back in vulnerable, vulnerable behaviors and actions and choices um, Mm. that made her stand out from the crowd. Absolutely. Any type of change that we take on is a form of vulnerability. When you step outside of your routine and everything that you've done and known before that's absolutely a risk that we take yeah you're you're stepping into the unknown and the place the the visual image that i get in mind is i'm going to straddle the unknown and the known the border between the unknown known so one foot in the unknown of shit this is scary and i don't know what i'm doing but also a foot in there's some semblance of normalcy here there's some understanding of yes I'm not going to die here. I'm not completely outside of my comfort zone. I'm not thrown in at the deep end because you've got to have that, that balance. So I think the other thing that links into this as well is that are you accepting feedback from the people that you consider worthwhile receiving feedback from? Yes. You brought that up when we spoke about this before the show. Why did that interest you, Rachel? Uh, how do you determine who those people are? I think that's really important. Um, people who have known us for a really long time can often be positive sources of that type of feedback. But Khan does a really good job of knowing the difference between people who will call him on his bullshit and the people who will tell him what he wants to hear. Because again, we need to be seeking truth, not what we want to hear. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Exactly yeah. right the the way i go with this is and i'm also typically i'm at that point where just about to turn 30 and like there's people who are older than me and represent the the things that i want to strive for in terms of physical achievement yes but also development as a human being and those are the people that i almost imagine that they're giving me feedback to it's like oh what would so and so think what would this person think of this um what would this exemplar of courage think about what i'm doing right now and it's almost what carl powley talked about is benign shaming 
of um of is that the example you gave is that the the reference you used there of like um benign shaming being i'm gonna imagine what other people think if i put this out on display to everyone else what yeah. would they consider um yeah. with me if, if if my actions if this particular action was put on display to the entire world what would they think yeah. of me yeah yeah Mm. so i suppose it's a more specific example of that and then dr anna lemka in her book she talks about pro-social shaming the two sides of shame um serving the evolutionary point of view and a kind of a fear-based view as well Mm. yeah interesting what book is that um that is dopamine um uh, and it's essentially a book on addiction and here's a plug for a future upcoming episode she'll be coming on the show in three weeks four weeks from when you listen to this um and yeah that's a really cool one on the subject dopamine how it plays a role and then really diving into the psychological triggers and mechanisms behind dopamine and it's um Mm. yeah why we do the things we do interesting yeah very interesting it's gonna be be a good one it's gonna be a good one nice and then i suppose the place to to wrap up and bring this all together is this idea of writing as an emotional purge that Khan talks about and we actually pulled this as the quote uh from the show to use on social media because i thought it was very interesting to to see that and i think more people need to understand that like that can be a good way to get everything out mm. why was this interesting to you rachel well the the act of writing down our thoughts can be very cathartic often because, especially if we're not used to really experiencing our emotions, if we typically turn to forms of numbing or soothing them by avoiding them, when we start to feel them, they can feel really overwhelming. So getting it all out on paper can be very, very helpful to just see it all and feel like everything is a little bit less tangled than it was before. The drawback is that that's only step one to basically building a self-awareness, right? That testing phase that we talk about in the Mindset RX methodology. We do have to see what's there, but then there's an analysis piece that has to happen after in order to maximize the knowledge that we're, that we're gaining. Yeah. So how do we make this useful then? Like, how do we see what's on the paper and do something with it? Yeah. There are a few ways to do that. Often I like to coach athletes to examine their language. So there are a few key words or phrases that we can look for that will indicate kind of story themes that come up. Because the idea behind journaling is not to just get your emotions out on paper. It's to understand the subconscious belief that's leading to the emotions happening. So a few words that can be looked for, the word should is a very common symptom of what's known as perfectionism. So it's a way of denying reality and wishing that things were different than they were. There's also the use of negation. So many, many people have learned to think negatively that we think about what we don't want rather than about what we do want. So if we're always thinking about what we don't want, we can lose a lot of clarity in where our, where our direction is. Mm. I want to kind of put my my verbal audio based hand off with that because that is my flavor of of um of self-imposed limiting stories yeah that when yeah exactly when i when i feel when i'm in a place where this is coming from fear this is what i don't want to happen i can see this going down this road but i don't want it to happen i know my stories are taking over 
I know that that is an important um, observation to make. And the difference between just writing as an emotional purge and writing as an emotional purge and then using that as a new data source to work from or a data point to work from is in that, okay, I'm seeing the story. I'm seeing that narrative that I believe and the ramifications of my language. And now I know that's going to affect my actions and behaviors as opposed to just verbal diarrheaing out onto a page and going oh that's what's there and then it's still like it's good to get it out on paper it's still like you like that beautiful idea that you brought up exactly but we need to do something with it otherwise it is just ink on a page absolutely yeah and the you know finding the story really comes down to writing out the actual phrase the story i'm telling myself is And this is so crucial to our practice because everything that we think is a story, it's not real. It's all happening in our minds. So understanding that story is at the root of difficult emotions or non-serving emotions um, in particular and non-serving stories, that's, that's a way of creating separation from the truth and who we want to be and who we're becoming and the story that's limiting us. So if I can say the story I'm telling myself is that I have to be perfect, then I can separate it from me, from what I really want, rather than taking it on. And as you said before, being captivated by that story. Exactly right. There's there's a certain category or type of belief, which kind of exists, exists on the surface level of who you are and those beliefs are things that you've only just learned to um to believe or they're not very central about this they're not very central of who you are yeah and then you get the central beliefs which is like the sun in the solar system like this is the most important thing about me and this is who i am and what i am and when you realize that that's bullshit too and that that is an untrue representation of of the world and you and is untruthful those beliefs are far harder to get rid of um the i went through a series of these things it's like shedding skin like it was like kind of okay yeah this belief's gone this belief's gone and initially with mindset work you make those breakthroughs very quickly yeah and you they drop off you're like oh i can really see growth and then inevitably hit this plateau of I've done my mindset work but I'm still not quite where I want to be so maybe mindset work isn't working anymore maybe I need to take a break from it Um, and maybe that is true maybe you do need a bit of a break and to go away and to apply things maybe however and this is what I found every single time with myself there's a belief that is closer towards the center of who I believe I am that is more deeply embedded in my personality and my psyche and for want of a better word soul yeah. And it's that that's causing the most harm. The one for yeah. me was always, um, or the one that I'm working on right now is like, I'm a, everything I do is futile. Like I have no impact on the world. Mm-hmm. And that is really deeply embedded. And yeah. its ramifications are very subtle. They're like so they're so woven into the tapestry of who I believe I am that mm-hmm. they're barely perceptible whereas yeah. other beliefs at the beginning of my journey were like huge and obvious and like well that's ridiculous why do i believe that whereas yeah. this is like oh but that's who i think i am and those beliefs are 
who those beliefs are the most challenging to to rid ourselves of and to drop i suppose drop is a better way of saying saying mm-hmm. it than rid ourselves of yeah yeah you know it's um i just want to like appreciate you for sharing that with us just really quick thank you for that i am um, I, everybody i won't say everybody many people will encounter exactly this and that act of confronting the darker parts of our psyches, as we said, that really takes courage itself because we, it's always something that we don't want to look at. We have so many methods. Our brains have so many methods of pushing that information away and avoiding it. And when we finally open the door and see what's there, then you kind of can't unsee what was behind the door. If only there was a method to do this, Rachel. If only there was a new and available system to do, to do exactly <laughs> this. Um, <laughs> who'd have thought it? Well, um, good I'm, thing we're here. <laughs> good thing we're here. I think, well, we, we're coming to the end of our allotted time anyway. And it's probably a good time to, to link in Mind to Upgrade and Absolutely. tell everyone that's available because it's our new program. It's awesome not just because you designed it, but because it's an awesome system as a whole and it works and it really works on exactly what we're talking about there. It's like, okay, what is that belief that's holding you back? What's the one beneath that and beneath that? And what's the central one that's kind of really limiting you? And then how do we go on dropping that and moving beyond it? Could you tell me a little bit about how the course unfolds, how mindset upgrade unfolds and what people will expect to feel as they go through this. Mm, Yeah. Well, the mindset upgrade is a fully self-led course. It includes video modules to teach whoever signs up athletes and otherwise about what mindset is. And then it walks us through the methodology of mindset RX. So we've been talking about testing, aiming up proof, positivity, presence, it walks us through this entire process specifically regarding one challenge that you're facing. So it's very targeted. It's also repeatable. So the process works for multi-layers of, of challenges that we may be facing. I think what you said right at the beginning there is worth pulling out again, that yeah. Yes, it's for athletes. And most of the people who listen to this will be kind of of an athletic persuasion. They'll be probably CrossFitters. They'll probably enjoy training to a degree, but there'll be an element of people who listen to this as well, who just maybe go to the gym occasionally. Um, They're kind of in this for general mental health. And this is who we also made this in, in light of. As you get further down the CrossFit Uh, sorry, as you get further down the mindset route, it helps to become more specific with where you are and to get more specific appreciation and uh, more specific um, systems. But initially you need a very general introduction to to mindset. And this is exactly where we came at this from. It's like, what is the foundation of this? What is the absolute fundamentals that people need to know um, to get started? So it doesn't matter whether you're an athlete looking to get started with mindset training. It doesn't matter whether you're just looking to apply it to your life and your your kind of your health or relationships or career or whatever, or just general happiness. Um, It's really created with you in mind. Yeah, it absolutely is. So 
there is you might be lucky enough to get this on the black friday discount um because this is going live on black friday so which means you've got two days left of, of discount meaning you're going to save either 25 percent and get a free gift 15 percent or 10 percent, depending on whether you get it on friday saturday or sunday um if not it'll still be available you might have to look a bit harder for it but it will be around the best place to go and check it out and uh get all of your questions answered to look at the outlay of the course, how it's um, unfolding is to head to mindsetrxcom slash mindset dash upgrade. So that's mindsetrxd.com slash mindset dash upgrade. So that is available. Normal price is 95 pounds, safe 48.5% on Thursday or 25% today. Um, and that is available for you to start training your mind at any time. That's right. Is there anything else you'd like to add about Minds Upgrade? Oh, just sign up for it. It's a really, really good deal. Life-changing. And as with everything, we offer our 110% guarantee as well. So you literally can't lose money on it. You either think it's worth the price you pay or more, or within 30 days, say you didn't like it and we give you money back plus an extra 10% because we're cool like that. So cool so cool i think anyone who says they're cool automatically <laughs> means that it's not cool it's like the same way if i listen to rap music i know it's not cool anymore <laughs> i'm a very uncool person anyway um what a great place to end sign up for mindset upgrade and we shall see you all very soon thank you for listening to the debrief partner episode of the limitless athlete podcast make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes We'll be speaking to CrossFit Games athletes, coaches, authors, and other inspiring people who are going to help you find your next level inside and outside of the gym. Loads of awesome future podcasts coming right up. If you can leave a great five-star review and share the episode with your friends, that would be great. See you next week with another mindset-shifting interview and a debrief episode to follow up.